1: Welcome everyone to another episode of revolution recap and it has finally happened the day has finally come we are bracing ourselves for the departure of our dear matt turner it has been great to see him blossom and the United States-level national team keeper, that he is from an undrafted goalkeeper uh, signed to training camp out of Fairfield University to one of the world's best goalkeepers. Uh, Matt Turner is linked to Arsenal, is expected to depart the New England Revolution, go to England in the summer. And here to talk about it all today is well me and Sean Donahue. Sean, how is it going? You know, it
0: was a, a good day until I watched the U.S. men's national team Fall two to nothing to Canada today, in which Tejan Buchanan, who is no longer a revolution player, uh, completely dominated against the U.S. national team. And Matt Turner, I think, had the worst game he's had in a U.S. jersey. So it's, it's a good thing it sounds like that Arsenal contract is signed because I don't think his value went up today.
1: Yes, no refunds Arsenal. Uh, The the ink is dried. Uh, It is a done deal. Allegedly, pretty much every soccer reporter who has a blue check mark has reported that it is a done deal. It has not been officially announced by the team or Arsenal, uh, but it is heavily, heavily expected. The fee has been ranged from, I believe I saw the lowest I saw was about 5 million pounds. The highest I saw was about 7 million pounds. I also saw 7 million dollars. So I'm just going to kind of pick a middle point and the deal is somewhere around 7 million dollars up front with $3 million of incentives that are apparently very achievable. So this is a $7 to $10 million transfer fee for Matt Turner, allegedly. But as part of the deal, it sounds like Matt Turner will be able to play for the New England Revolution for the first bit and move in the summer transfer window. Uh, Sean, seems like this was a long time coming. I think we all knew that Matt Turner had bigger aspirations to go to Europe, and it seems like now that he is cracked in and is fighting for the starting gig with the United States uh, men's national team goalkeeper spot, today's results aside. uh, It seemed like this was eventually going to happen. Uh, What is your reaction to this news?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a a good price for the revolution. I think, you know, this was inevitably going to happen, as you said, at some point. Uh, Going to Arsenal is a a huge step up. You know, they're uh, one of the top teams in England. So it's a a great move financially for Matt Turner and prestige-wise for Matt Turner. You know, my one question is, you know, how is he going to get playing time outside of cup games? I think he's going to be kind of in the Zach Steffen situation at man city where he, you know, he's the cup goalkeeper. Um, but he's not going to sniff league action unless they're starting goalkeeper. Um, unless their starting goalkeeper gets hurt, you know, for context, they signed Ramsdale uh, this past summer for I think 30 million pounds or something around that, that amount. So, you know, you get the sense of, you know, (laughs) three times what they're paying for Matt Turner, maybe more than that. Um, And he's, you know, a 23 year old goalkeeper that recently just got capped for England and has been named their player of the month at Arsenal, at least twice this season since they've signed him. So, you know, he's playing really, really well. He's younger than Matt Turner. He could potentially be the future number one for England. Um, you know, it's gonna take a lot for Matt Turner to unseat him. Uh, with that said, if you're Matt Turner, I don't think you can turn down, you know, what what could very well be a 10 times pay increase. Um, and if you're the revolution, I don't think you can turn down, you know, a transfer fee that sounds like it's going to be more than, uh, what Columbus got for Zach Steffen. So, um, it makes a lot of sense that with this offer on the table that both parties have accepted it. Um, but I, do, I, do, I am concerned that Matt Turner is going to struggle to get much playing time. And I think he's a goalkeeper that, as we've seen, improves every single game um, because he's someone that got such a late start. There's still a lot of improvement that he's been doing. And I think it's unfortunate um, that while he'll be, have you know, fantastic training, training with some of the best players in the world and improve that way, that he's not going to get a lot of game time with Arsenal.
1: Yeah, and just for context, too, I think Matt Turner re-upped last year. He signed another contract extension with the Rebs, and he's still not paid amongst the highest paid goalkeepers in MLS. I think he's around 16th to 18th or something like that in the league. I think he's making around 350,000 um and that that's after his most recent extension. Um you know, he he just has a team-friendly contract. He came up as a undrafted free agent, and so he kind of spent some time on the supplemental Uh, roster and kind of over time has just been signing extension after extension and getting small raises here and there Um, but obviously Premier League wages just are you know much much higher than MLS in general and especially for goalkeepers where it seems like uh, you know these American teams MLS teams try to develop American goalkeepers and try to get on kind of cheaper and cheaper Uh, there aren't many goalkeepers that make half a million dollars plus plus. Um, So, yeah, I I think Matt Turner is certainly going to appreciate it from a financial side of things. I I think he's going to get uh, paid. The one thing I do kind of hesitate on is the playing side of it. He obviously won't get too much playing time. Uh, Sean, what's your reaction about him going to Arsenal? I mean... To me, it would make more sense, especially if he's trying to win the starting gig for the United States to go to a different team. I figured maybe he'd end up in the Bundesliga. Uh, maybe he'd end up with a smaller, uh, kind of lower tier team uh, in the Premier League. Uh, but Arsenal is really a, you know, it's a giant club. And just to kind of put this into context, when I told my wife that Matt Turner was going to Arsenal, she knew it was a big deal because she's heard of Arsenal before. Uh, so, I mean, to me, I- I'm, I'm flat out stunned. And this move, as you said, I... I don't know. I, I, I hesitate. and I, I worry that this might not be great for Matt Turner in the long run because even though he is getting paid, uh, the playing time is probably going to be lacking.
0: Yeah, and I think I agree with you completely. I think if Matt Turner w- wants to win the starting job for the U.S. men's national team, especially this year, I mean he's aided by by Zach Steffen being hurt again. So if you know if Zach Steffen can't stay healthy, that that changes everything. But assuming Zach Steffen's healthy. I, I agree. I think he needed to move to a team where he was going to be playing regularly, and that's not going to happen at Arsenal. With that said, you know, there's no guarantee that there was another team out there that was willing to pay this type of money for Matt Turner um, for him to play regularly. I don't. I, we didn't hear many rumors about you know a team, maybe a mid-table Premier League club or a, a lower mid-table Premier League club that you know might have given him a chance to start right away, or you know a team in the Bundesliga, a team in Spain, a team in Italy that could have had a chance to start. So, I, I, I as without knowing that that was on the table, it's kind of hard to say. You know, he should have done something different. Um, and, you know, certainly I feel like that you, you might not get from a mid table or a lower tier club. Uh, but I, I agree with you. He's not going to play a lot at Arsenal unless something happens to Ramsdale. Maybe maybe the best thing that could happen for Matt Turner is that, you know, Ramsdale after another year or two plays so well that an even bigger team spends a ton of money to sign him and makes an opening for, for Matt Turner. Because otherwise, I don't see where that opening is going to come from. Um, and, you know, as a Spurs fan. Uh, disappointed to see him go to Arsenal. But when I even look at, you know, other situations that might have been better for him, and again, this this was not something that we heard was on the table. So it's you know kind of a moot point. But hypothetically, you know, a team like Spurs would have made a lot more sense where they have a 35-year-old goalkeeper that's you know probably only got a year or two left in him. Um and that, you know, Matt Turner could have been a backup for a couple of years with a clear path to be a starter down the road. Because with Arsenal right now, there is no clear path to being a starter. He's backing up a much younger keeper. Um, that's an English international. That's you know what they bought for a lot more money. So um, again, we don't know of any other opportunities that were on the table that he could have taken to to actually get playing time. So with all of that said, it would have been very hard for him to turn down this chance to play for Arsenal, um, even if there is no clear path. And we all know that Matt Turner is someone that you know believes very highly in himself and has proven himself so many times before when you know he's come out of nowhere. So I'm, I'm sure in his head he probably thinks he does have a chance at some point to start for Arsenal. Um, but it is a, a, a very big long shot.
1: It was pointed out to me, too, that we haven't done a Tottenham 20 in a little bit and get a quick update on on. Tottenham and how Spurs are doing in in 20 seconds can you can you give me how emotionally conflicted you are with Matt Turner going to Arsenal
0: you know I I think he's not going to play in the meaningful game so I think I'm not conflicted and it will actually be even more motivation for Spurs to crush Arsenal and score a lot of goals against Ramsdale to help Matt Turner's case to be the starter is how I view it you know
1: I see how is how is Tottenham doing by the way I I, I have no idea because I have not asked you how they're doing in a long time
0: if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have been very pleased because they, they had not lost a game in, I believe, nine games uh, since Conte became the head coach. He was unbeaten his first nine games with the new Spurs record, and then they promptly got crushed to nothing by Chelsea and looked really bad uh, last weekend. But it was going much better until last weekend.
1: I'm going to have to start following the Premier League results again and get back in the habit of asking you how Tottenham is doing, but only when they lose. Uh, so <laughs> I'll have to be better on that. I apologize to our listeners uh, who are curious where the Tottenham 20 was. But let's bring it back to this side of the pond. Let's talk about how the Matt Turner transfer is going to impact the revolution. And we did get some comments from our listeners on Twitter. Uh, Og says uh, his reaction to this uh, is similar to when the rumors started replacing Matt Turner and his value will be almost impossible but we can negate that with some other additions. And then Sam Minton of the Bent Musket uh, asked us, uh, who do you think replaces Turner? And Paulo asked us, assuming that they use Turner Bucks for a goalkeeper replacement, do you wait until he's gone uh, or do you bring in someone sooner? So a lot of questions here related to Matt Turner and what the Revolution do next with him leaving. What do you think the Revolution's plan is, Sean?
0: Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of money to play with, but. You know, with, with the MLS League rules, there's only so much you can do with it. They're not going to you know, get rid of Bucza and use a DP spot on a goalkeeper. At least they shouldn't. That'd be very stupid. Um, you know, they could make a trade within the league. There's a number of, you know, veteran keepers. Um, I know the the crew a couple years ago, I, I can't remember if they still do, but they had two really, really strong starters, really strong keepers on their on their roster. Um, you know, there, there's a number of things that they could do. My expectation, to be honest, is that, you know, this season they'll use Matt Turner for half the year that they have him. Um, you know, what's great is that they'll have him through the whole Champions League. Um, so hopefully they can, you know, ride him to make some waves there. And then, you know, I, I think unless... Um, somebody who's on the roster now unless you know Earl Edwards or what is, is it Jacobson the the goal they drafted Jacob Johnson uh, Jackson Jake J- yeah there you go <laughs> unless although unless, I like um, Jacobson Jacob yeah, Johnson J- Jackson Jacob, Jacobson Jacob Jackson that's right Jacob Jackson so unless unless Jacob Jackson or Earl Edwards steps up I think it'll probably be Brad Knighton for half a year and then the revolution in the off offseason will need to figure out what their long-term plans are or you know if if Bruce Arena sees in the first six months of the season that he's not happy with what he's seeing from his options, you know, maybe they trade for somebody mid-season, you know, a veteran in MLS once, you know, Turner's off the books. I don't think they're going to make a big splash at goalkeeper. Uh, I think that money is going to be better used, you know, somewhere else when, you know, they're going to make a U-22 initiative signing, which probably won't be a goalkeeper. Um, Or, you know, if Buxa leaves when they're trying to replace him, more money that can go towards that. Um, And, and, you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to get, what you got from Matt Turner for his salary. So that's that is the tough thing. When you lose a guy like Matt Turner, you know, he's on a very he's on a very good salary for what he provides the revolution. Solution. So that that's you know, Revs have a number of guys like that. You know, Dewan Jones, um, who's been very underpaid. Forty provides the Revs. If he were to leave, it would be impossible to replace him for that money. Tajon Buchanan, who was on a Generation Adidas contract, um, that wasn't counting against the cap for the Revs. Obviously, you couldn't replace him for that money. So that that's kind of the tough situation the Revs are in, where they're getting a lot of money for these guys. They can put you know one million of it, one point I think one point oh five million or something like that into gam. So they can use that to help expand kind of their salary cap a bit. Um, But that's about the extent of it. Otherwise, you can't use that money towards a player unless it's, you know, as a transfer fee for either a designated player or, um, you know, U22 guy or, you know, to some extent for some of the discretionary TAM that you might buy. But. Uh you know, I think I think goalkeeper is not a position that they're gonna spend a lot of money on. I think they're gonna either use what they have in-house or you know make a trade within the league midway through the season.
1: Yeah, and and I agree with that, and I want to unpack that a little bit just so people don't get lost because sometimes we throw around these terms. Uh and and just to make sure everyone knows, when you make a transfer, you can convert one point zero five million dollars into GAM, general allocation money, which basically allows you to expand your salary cap. Um, you know, teams get there's a, a salary cap and then there's allocation money that they can buy down salaries with. So with Tejon Buchanan, you know, the, the really essentially his replacement was more or less Sebastian Legette. I mean it's not a like for like. I think Legette fits more into a diamond, whereas Tejon is a winger. But Tejon was sold for seven million dollars. The Revs converted one point oh five million of that, or they can convert one point oh five million of that into allocation money. And that allocation money was sent to LA essentially to acquire Legette. Now Legette, as you mentioned, Sean, I mean there's a salary difference here. Tejan Buchanan was on a, a Generation Adidas contract. Legette is making close to a million dollars. So it, it's going to hurt them kind of in the long run there. But there's something kind of different here with the Matt Turner situation because, as you said, goalkeeper isn't really a position. It's not like an attacker where you're going to spend a DP spot or you're going to be very spend a ton of money for you know a top-line attacker or something like that. You're not going to use a DP spot on a goalkeeper. That probably that that does not work i think that philadelphia did that once um i can't think of many you know designated player goalkeepers or high-priced goalkeepers but a lot of times they they just don't work so you know you're going to sell matt turner and you're going to convert 1.05 million of that transfer fee into gam you know are you going to go out and spend a million dollars on a goalkeeper i know that um L.A. just acquired a goalkeeper and sent, I think, about a million or a million two or something like that uh, for, for a goalkeeper. You know, are you going to go out and get a top of the line goalkeeper and s- spend that money that you can convert and, and bring in a new one? Um, or do you go with Brad Knighton? We've talked about Brad Knighton being a very good goalkeeper. He's been pretty reliable. He probably could have started for some lesser teams elsewhere around the league. Do you ride it out with him and then maybe use that million dollars of GAM? On an attacking spot, on a, you know, build out your bench a little bit, maybe go out and acquire another midfielder in the Diamond um, to replace maybe Tommy McNamara. If Tommy McNamara is getting a lot of starts, maybe you want to increase that position. Maybe you have an injury. You know, if Matt Polster goes down and you need a new defensive midfielder, are you going to go out and spend that gam somewhere else and use that as a trade asset? I I think that might be what you end up doing. So um, it's very interesting because I think you have a very reliable goalkeeper in Brad Knighton who could handle it i'm there is obviously a drop-off between matt turner and brad knighton but i I don't think he's the worst option in the world um yeah and and it'll be interesting to see who is not doing well this year around the league because if there is a team that is struggling and a goalkeeper comes on the trade market maybe that's where the revs strike you know, I'm not saying Eli Room will be available, but like if Columbus struggles again and they're trying to shed payroll or something like that, if the Revs offer $1.5 million worth of allocation money to go after Eli Room, do they take it? I mean, maybe. So maybe that's the way they go. Um, but I don't see them going out and spending, you know, Tam or a designated player spot on a, on a goalkeeper. I think a lot of people kind of see the $7 million and say, well, we have $7 million worth of money to go after a new goalkeeper. And that's probably not what's going to happen. They're probably going to save that money for their next designated player, which I know we talked about a couple episodes ago about, you know, when Bucza leaves or, or whenever the next DP spot opens up, they need to go out and spend this kind of purse they've built up and go out and get a real superstar. Um, I, I think that's what they're going to end up doing here. And I think they're going to go with kind of a cheaper option, but um, it, it's going to be a really, it's going to be interesting to see them try to navigate um not not overspending on a goalkeeper, but finding a goalkeeper that is quality enough to replace Matt Turner. Um, and and I don't know, I'm I'm not. It's going to be very tough. It's going to be a very very tough balance to hit.
0: Yeah, and we talked about it before. But you know, one guy that it's just still disappointing to me that is no longer part of the organization is Joe Rice because he did so well for revs two last year, that it would have been nice to have him in the mix as Turner's possible replacement. Um, And I I agree. I think Brad Knighton is is perfectly capable of filling in uh, for six months this season after Turner leaves. But, you know, he turns 37 in a week. Um, So I don't think he's the long term option. And, you know, there are goalkeepers that play well under their 40s. But usually those are goalkeepers that, you know, have been starting regularly throughout their careers and were were stars. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe the fact he has less games will help his his body hold up better as he gets older. But or maybe he won't have, you know, the endurance necessary to, to go through a full season because he hasn't played. Um, a full season in a very long time so um, I, I don't I don't know how that's going to play out but I think Brad Knighton is you know perfectly capable of filling in for Matt Turner after he leaves this season um, but then I think when you go into 2023 he's probably not your your long-term option I agree do we
1: do we both agree that right now on this roster Brad Knighton would be the person to replace Matt Turner I know some people think uh, Jacob Johnson Jackson Jacobson might replace him. Um, And some people are throwing out maybe Earl Edwards Jr. Earl Edwards got the start yesterday. Um, We're we're in agreement that Brad Knighton is the guy to take over as of right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen Jackson play to make an assessment of his play. Um, You know, I think if he was lighting it up, that maybe he would have started this game over Earl Edwards. Um, And I think if Earl Edwards was, you know, playing really well, that um, you know, he might have gotten some chances when Brad Knighton didn't start well um, last year in his first appearance. So I think Brad Knighton's the guy. Um, I' like I've said before, I'm surprised Earl Edwards is still on the roster. Um, but the fact that he started this first game and that they did bring him back, um, I guess he was under guaranteed contract, but the fact that he you know, he is back, there's there's some faith in him. Uh but I would be surprised if it wasn't Brad Knighton. No, and I would not be surprised though if they did get to you know June and they weren't happy with their options that they you know did go out and make some sort of trade within the
1: league to improve that situation. But for for now I think it's Brad Knighton. In a weird way, it almost hurts I mean, it doesn't hurt the revs, but in a weird way you'd almost want to see Brad Knighton play a little bit. I wonder if they're gonna give Brad Knighton some spot starts here and there to see how well he does to see if that influences their decision when the summer window opens. Cause I guess in theory, the European uh, season will end. So maybe you could get someone on a free transfer or something like that. Um, you'd have to use an international spot probably. And again, it'd, it'd be a highly priced goalkeeper, which I, I think they will try to avoid. I think they'd rather spend that game, um, you know, on a midfielder or an attacker um, or, or in the trade market. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I almost wish that we could see Brad Knight and get a string of six to eight games, kind of like we did last season, um, to see if that boosts our confidence in him a little bit. Because I I think certainly in 2023, you're going to have to go out and get another goalkeeper. Uh, I I don't see them getting one here in the first half of the season, to answer this question here from Paulo. I don't see them getting one in the first half of the season. I could see them getting one in the the summer transfer window, but I also would not be shocked if they sign uh, Jacob Johnson, Jackson Jacobson as the third goalkeeper and have him play at Revs 2 and then have right out the season with Knightens, and other words, to see how that goes. I, I I really don't think that the drop-off is steep enough that, I don't know, I, I having Brad Knighton as your goalkeeper does not terrify me. Am I alone in that? No, I,
0: I agree with you, and I also agree with your point that in some sense— you kind of do wish you could make that change sooner. Obviously, you know, six months of Matt Turner or six months of Matt Turner, you don't turn down six months of the best keeper in the league, especially because, you know, that takes you to the Champions League, and I think he'll be huge in that. Um, But with that said, I think you'd be, in some sense, in a better place, you know, had you tested out Brad Knight and, you know, Earl Edwards, whoever it is, in the first half of the season, and, you know, then you could evaluate and decide that they weren't good enough to get you into a championship and, and make that move in the summer. Because I don't think that there's anything that Bruce Arena has to learn about Earl Edwards or Brad Knighton that he's going to learn from them, you know, sitting on the bench and playing reserve games. I think he's seen enough of that to know who they are in that sense. And the step up to playing regularly for the first team is something different. And he's not going to get to experience that with Matt Turner on the roster for six months. Um, And so he's not necessarily going to know after six months, you know, whether or not he has the right pieces To make a championship run on the roster without making a trade a goalkeeper. Um, So you know again, you you can't turn down six extra months of Matt Turner. Um, You know Matt Turner is going to be huge for the Revs. They're going to you know gain more points because he's there, and I think they're going to have a much better chance in the Champions League because he's there. But um, to 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 some extent, it does hurt you long term because you don't necessarily know what you have going into the stretch at the end of the season and going into the most important games and going into the playoffs.
1: If you had to bet money on it, what do you think the Revs do? Do you think they just go out and buy another goalkeeper in the summer?
0: If I were to bet money, I'd say Brad Knighton's the starter for the second half of the season. And, you know, they reassess things next year. or maybe Jacob Jackson performs really well and he becomes a starter. Or maybe, you know, Earl Edwards is, is this hidden gem that I think is 30 years old now and is, hasn't really started anywhere and somehow is a late bloomer. Um, but I, I think that this year they're probably going to stick with the goalkeepers that they have on the roster. Um, that, that would be my guess. I'm not, you know, again, I would not be surprised if they did make a change, but that would be my my best guess
1: got another listener question here uh says big matt turner fan really loved him since day one and now i'm going to start rooting for arsenal in honor of matt turner but unfortunately i don't have any arsenal gear sean where can this listener find some arsenal gear i mean
0: i think i would go to uh glocko kits to get my arsenal gear if i was going to buy some of course i would never buy arsenal gear i'd recommend buying spurs gear instead uh, in honor of uh, former Rev Clint Dempsey, who was just elected to the National Soccer Hall of Fame today, which is exciting news, and played for Spurs as well as the Revs. But if you've got to jump on the the new bandwagon of uh, Turner to Arsenal, Galaco Kits is the way to go.
1: Yeah, Galasso Kits. their mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world, including Arsenal. And Spurs. If you're into Spurs, probably Arsenal. There's probably more Arsenal fans listening to this as of right now because of Matt Turner. So there's a ton of Arsenal merch. I checked before we recorded the podcast. Go check it out. Go check out Golasso Kits to get your new Arsenal merch, which is going to go very, very fast because Matt Turner will soon be the greatest goalkeeper in the world in the Premier League. Uh, he's going over to England to dominate. And while you're at Golasso Kits, check out their mystery kit packages, where if you can't tell what you want, you just put in your size and the style of jersey that you like, and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams. And there's more. If you use promo code RevsRecap at checkout, you will save 15% off your order. That is promo code RevsRecap at GalassoKits.com for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes. And and don't forget to follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and on Instagram uh, for their weekly unboxing videos. I think they have Spurs stuff. I didn't check, because who's rooting for Spurs, you know? Anyway.
0: You know, I, I my money would be on Spurs to finish finish above Arsenal this year, so we'll see what happens.
1: Mm. Well, Matt Turner's not getting there to the summer, so I think we will uh, – I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> There was another signing here by the Revs. Uh, Bruce Arena had his press co- one of his first press conferences, either his first or second. And they asked if any more moves were coming, and Bruce said that there were some minor moves coming. There was going to be some minor tweaks to the roster, and he made a minor tweak, sending Noel Buck to the first team. He is the second youngest player uh, for the Revolution, other than Diego Fagundes. He is signed from Revs two. He is 16 years old. He was born one day after the Washington Nationals played their first game in their existence. So that's pretty rough for those of us over the age of 30. He's just making us feel extremely old. Uh, Sean, what are we, we did get a listener questions on uh, how, how good do you think Noel will be? Uh, and, and do you expect him to have a role in the first team? Uh, so Sean, what are your thoughts on Noel Buck, the signing uh, and his potential role?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he was the best player in the Revs Academy for them to to sign at this point. I think it's a, a very exciting signing for the Revolution. You know, he's a a guy that can play at central midfield, kind of a two way box to box guy. So I think he could fit into the Revs diamond. Um, with with that said. You know, Bruce Arena has never really been one of those play the kids guys that, you know, throws the young guys out there really at any point in his career. Um, And I don't really expect that to change. Uh, I don't think Noel Buck is going to have a huge role with the first team this year. I think he's going to get minutes in the Open Cup. Um, I think he might get some minutes, you know, late in games when the Revolution are in a comfortable position. Um, But I still think he's going to see most of his minutes at Revs 2 this year. I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, and I think Noel Buck is going to have a bright future with the revolution. I just don't think that this year uh, he's going to get a ton of minutes. Um, you know, and it, you know, he looked good from what I've heard in the first preseason game. Obviously, we couldn't watch that other than on some, you know, streams from fans in the crowd, which I don't think you can glean too much out of. Um, but you know, it should, it should be reminded that Damian Rivera has looked very good for the revolution in past preseasons and that has not translated to any really first team minutes. So, um, I think the future is very bright for Noel Buck, but I think you shouldn't get your expectations up too high for him to have much of an impact this season, uh, with the revolution. I think, you know, he's, he's playing at a position where the revolution have, you know, a lot of numbers, if not necessarily the, the best quality depth. Um, depending on how you feel about Tristan, Capcom, McNamara, et cetera. Um, So I I just don't think he's going to have, I don't think there's an opportunity for him to get that many first team minutes this year. And I don't think Bruce Arena is a guy that's going to, you know, try to force minutes for a young guy just because he's a young guy with a bright future.
1: Yes. And, just for additional context, too, I remember when Damian Rivera signed, and I think the year he signed, he scored two goals in a preseason game, and everyone was expecting him to kind of hop on and get some some first-team minutes, and they just never came. I still don't think he's ever made his MLS debut, uh, and Damian Rivera is still on this team, and so, he, but he's getting most of his minutes at Revs, too, so I, I think uh, Buck is going to kind of be of the same same fate. He's only 16 years old, so he will still be get developing in revs 2 i i just kind of see this as them locking him down i know i think he trained with not nottingham forest uh some team in in england a few weeks ago sounds right uh, so i i think this is just a matter of the revs locking him down he did have 5 goals and one assist last year in usl league 1 across 28 matches um yeah I, I i think this is kind of a developmental move he signed to a contract through the 2025 season with an option for 2026 so yeah i i just don't expect him to play i mean If I were a gambling man, I'd I'd probably put his over-under around 10 minutes. I mean, maybe he'll kind of come in late, but he'd still have to make the 18. Um, And, and yeah, there's just a lot of bodies in front of him. The Revs are expected to compete this year. Maybe if they were developing and rebuilding, maybe you give some minutes to the kids. But, yeah, I kind of expect this to be – sorry, I should say in the MLS season. I do expect him to make some appearances uh, in uh, the U.S. Open Cup, which is coming back this year. Maybe we will see him in the Champions League just because the first – couple of games in the Champions League are probably going to be walkovers they really shouldn't be that difficult and maybe you want to give Buck a start in 45 minutes just to kind of get him in tune with everyone else but I do not expect him to play a a huge 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 amount Um, this is probably going to be a signing for the future looking ahead
0: yeah I completely agree Um, and I I should point out that Rivera did make his MLS debut last year in August and played 28 minutes um, in a comfortable 4-1 Revolution victory over Cincinnati. So maybe maybe we'll see something similar for for Buck this year if the if the Revs get off to a, a big lead. Uh, but otherwise, I I, I think it's, he's an Open Cup player. Um, I heard you talking about the League's Cup a few episodes ago. Maybe maybe we'll see some some action in that. Uh, that's probably more likely than Champions League, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, League's Cup. That is uh, I, I my my interest in League's Cup has not increased since that episode. <laughs> uh, one more thing, too, we should note while we're talking about some Revs 2. Uh, there are a couple of players over in California. Four, well, The Revs sent four Revs 2 players to California for preseason. Uh, Buck, who is now signed, Ryan Spaulding, who I believe they should sign, and we'll kind of get back in, into a reason on why they should uh, soon. Uh, Connor Presley and uh, Jake Rosensky are all training with the uh, senior team. So if the Revs make another signing, I would say Spaulding, Presley, and Rosensky. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Uh, they might be the next contenders, is kind of training for a spot on the supplemental roster there. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, there is another more Revs Two news, and I am going to mispronounce this name horribly. Just I, it's I probably should not even try this, but Esmir Bazranktarovic. I'm I'm that is as close as I'm going to get. I am so sorry if that is way off. Uh, but another 16-year-old for Revs Two has been called into US U20 camp. Uh, we did get a question on whether or not he will make an impact with the Revs, uh, but he has not even been signed to a USL or sorry an MLS contract yet. Uh, he's still on a USL contract, so he cannot play for Revs One. I believe he can play in the US Open Cup. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I'd have to well, We, we
0: don't know all the details now because the you know the Revs Two has completely changed now that it's part of the MLS Next Pro as opposed to part of the USL Two, and I, I don't think we have kind of enough information to know how that interaction is going to work. I, I'd heard some things that it was going to be easier to get. You know, Revs two players to play for the first team this year because of you know they're on under the same umbrella instead of under the USL umbrella. But I, I I haven't seen that in writing, and I I don't know how that's going to play out. So I think there's a lot of kind of unknown there. But I would I would assume he could play in the Open Cup. I would assume.
1: Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I don't even know if the US Open Cup knows really what's going on anymore with the US Open Cup. But I digress. Uh, let's go talk a little Champions League here, Sean. Um, what are our expectations for the lineup in the Champions League? Um, Ronnie Small's asked us that specifically about the first leg, uh, but we can kind of cover both legs if you have any uh, thoughts on that. I've kind of shown my, I've, I've kind of played my hands uh, in previous podcasts of uh, how I think these games on Cavalier will be more or less preseason. Uh, this really should not be a difficult opponent for the Revolution, and I expect a lot of rotation, and I expect this to kind of be a warm up uh, for the MLS regular season, especially too. I think. The season opener is a few days after that second leg. I think it's that Saturday, right? So they have three days off there after that second leg. But what do you expect for the first leg uh, of that Champions League game?
0: Yeah, to be honest, it's it's made a lot easier for the Revolution that both games are at home, so they're not worrying about tiring guys out by traveling. I, I see no reason why the Revolution shouldn't play their best 11 in that first game, hopefully run up the score, and then, you know, rest everybody for the second leg so they're 100% for Portland. Um, that's the tact I would try to take. And and so I would assume that, you know, knowing what we know now, assuming Adam Buxa isn't sold in the next couple weeks, which I think is probably not going to happen, uh, could change, though. I would say Adam Buxa, Gustavo Bo up top. Uh, Carly's heel behind them. Um, I think in your midfield, you're going to have Sebastian Lejet and the one question mark is who's next to Sebastian Lejet? you know, was McNamara was your regular starter last year. Um, you know, we saw, some, we saw Captoom get some minutes and Tristan gets some minutes in, in the first preseason game. Is one of them going to overtake Tommy McNamara? I don't know. That's my question mark. I'm going to go with McNamara right now, the safe choice, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's a position that ends up being Captoom. Matt Polster behind them, your standard defense, Andrew Farrell, Henry Kessler in the center. Brandon Bye on the right, Dewan Jones on the left, Matt Turner in goal. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't play. You know, your starting eleven in that game, and, and you know, playing a competitive game with your starting eleven a week before the season starts is probably a good thing to get you ready for that first game uh, of the regular season, and it might help you even more than a preseason game because it's a game that actually matters. Um, and ideally, you win that game by a lot of goals. And you know, the game before the Portland game, you you play your B team. Uh, and see what they can do. And, and hopefully, you know, that works out and you're very comfortable. And uh, then you have a fully rested team for Portland. I think that's your ideal
1: situation. Do you think they potentially run out the starting Because le- I know Bruce last year would ride, you know, there was a lot of fixture congestion and at cer- certain points that he kind of rolled the same lineups out week after week and, you know, or into midweek games. Do you think there's a possibility that if it is, I'll say two to nothing in the first leg, you think he runs out his first team again?
0: Yeah, I think if there's any doubt going into the second league that he does run out the first team again and then, you know, maybe by halftime he's pretty comfortable and he makes two or three subs to, you know, take Carly's heel out, Gustavo, but kind of the, the older players that you're worried about injury concerns and that are most important. Um, but, you know, again, I think that's that's what you're hoping doesn't happen.
1: You're hoping you put it away in the first leg and don't have to worry about it. Hmm. Um, we did get one more question here from Rally Revs fan. He says, Where do the Revs currently sit in the East with these roster moves? What do they need to do to remain at the top? And he has a second question, but I'll go with that one first. Sean, where do you think the Revs start in the East, and what do you think they need to do to retain their spot uh, as the best team in the East?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think anyone that looks at what the Revolution did last year and expects them to do better this year as far as regular season or as far as even matching regular season. You know, that's not realistic. They're not going to be a team that breaks the points record next year. Um, I think the East has gotten better and, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks for the revolution around Adam Buxa. Now, if Adam Buxa is here for the revolution for the season, um, I see no reason why the revolution, even with Matt Turner gone, can't still be a team fighting for that top spot in the East. You know, they, they they finished first in the East by 19 points last year. So there's a lot of room for the revolution to be worse this season and still be competing for the top spot in the East. Um, and I, I expect if Adam Buxa sticks around that they will be. Um, but I do think it's going to be a very competitive battle at the top. I mean, Toronto FC, I think is going to be better in 2023 more than 2022, but just Bob Bradley being their coach, um, even before Insigne comes is going to make them a much better team. You know, I think Atlanta, uh, started the season poorly last year and got better towards the end. I think they'll be better next year. I know they've you know, still got a lot of, a lot of challenges with their roster, but just, you know, knowing how much they spend, I think they're going to be good this year. You know, New York city FC obviously came on strong at the end next year. There's going to be a lot of competition at the top of the East. And I think the revolution are going to be in that mix, but I certainly don't think they're going to run away with the East. Uh, and if Adam Buchsa leaves, um, then things become a ton more challenging uh, unless Bruce Arena has something up his sleeve to bring in another designated player to fill that spot right away. Uh, because I think the revolution without Adam Buchsa and without Matt Turner, um, you know, are more of a bottom tier playoff team than a team fighting for the top spot.
1: Yeah, and Tejan Buchanan. That's another. I,
0: I... And, and, and Tejan Buchanan. And the one thing I will say is I see a lot of people saying, you know, when are the revolution going to replace Tejan Buchanan? You said it earlier, Sebastian Lejet is the replacement for Tejan Buchanan. And no, it is not a like for like replacement because Tejan Buchanan is, you know, one of the best wingers in the league. Um, and we saw how good he could be against the U S today. Um, but Sebastian Lejet fills the same spot as Tejan did in the diamond. Um, but it fills it more comfortably because Sebastian Lejet is actually more of a central midfielder, uh, which is what the diamond requires. So I- I'm assuming the revolution play the same formation, um, as they did last year. And if that's the case, it is Lejet that slots right in for Tejan Buchanan. Um, and to be honest, I think it fits that spot better than he did. That's not to say Lejet is a better player than Tejan Buchanan. It's just to say he's a better central midfielder than Tejan Buchanan. if you're saying wingers, Tejan is certainly a much better player on the wing than Lejet is. But um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's your Tejan Buchanan replacement um, in the lineup. I think the revolution are just fine with that, but you know, everything, everything you have to look at different. If Adam books, is gone because you know, the whole diamond works, because of Adam Books and Gustavo Bow up top. And I think if you take Books out of that equation and don't find an adequate replacement, um, there's a lot of question marks about this Revs team.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 get to kind of the depth at Stryker in a little bit here too, because I, I agree with everything you said. I think that the way the Revs drop in the standings, you mentioned the gap between first and second. Um and, and you know, the Revs lost to the eventual MLS Cup champion and penalty kicks, which is more or less random, but you know they I, they went two one and one against the eventual MLS Cup champion last year. Nashville is going to the West and they're being replaced with Charlotte. No one in the East really has made big jumps on the Revs um, in 2022. I mean, I really don't think the Revs the Revs could easily finish first right now if this is the team they go in with their their for the season. I think they could be first even without Tejan, even with Turner for half a season. If they keep Buxa for the full season, yeah, the Revs are certainly close to first place. Um th- these are updated MLS Cup odds. I'll, I'll just ro- th- run through the Eastern Conference teams. The Revs are currently 7 to 1 to win MLS Cup. New York City FC is 10 to 1. And then below that, you have Atlanta 16 to 1, Colorado, Los Angeles, Philadelphia 16 to 1, Columbus is 20 to 1, New York 20 to 1. I mean, what which one of these teams? Orlando is 25 to 1, Toronto is 25 to 1, Miami is 40 to 1. None of these teams really scare me. Um, so I, I think a lot of people are, they see Tejon leave and they, you know, Legette had a bad season last year. Um, I, I think they expect a big drop off in quality there, but as you said, I think Legette fits the diamond a little bit better. And I think Bo and Buxa really work well in the diamond. I think Carlos Hill kind of works well in that diamond. I know he's a bit of a roaming player, but. I think they are committed to going with the diamond. And I think Leggett is the Tejan Buchanan replacement. And I think he'll be fine. Um, will they get 73 points? No. Will they have as successful a season as they did last year? No. They won't break the MLS points record. Um, but I, I got to say, I if the Revs don't finish in the top three and they keep books all season, something has gone wrong. Because I, I do not see them falling massively down the standings page unless there is a big injury unless books is sold and they do not replace him um yeah i'm i'm not worried at all yeah and I, I the one team that stands out to me
0: again is is toronto is that they're the big wild card because you look at what Bruce Arena did to a revolution team that was really struggling and kind of overnight made them a playoff team. I think Bob Bradley is capable of doing the same thing to Toronto and Toronto has the, the added uh, benefit of having owners that are willing to spend whatever it takes to make that team successful, including buying out really big contracts, spending insane amounts on insignia. Uh, You know, they just signed Carlos Salcedo who's going to anchor their back line, you know, I don't know how good that Toronto team is going to be this year. I, I'm sure they're going to be very, very good in 2023. But, you know, with Bob Bradley can have the same impact on a team that Bruce Arena can. He's that good of a coach. Um, so just for that alone and knowing that they're going to spend the money to be successful, whatever that takes, um, I think Toronto is a team to watch out for for the Revs this year. But I, I don't see any reason why the Revolution, again, assuming Bucsa stays, you know, can't be challenging for first again.
1: Yeah, and and, and no injuries. Because if Carlos Hill goes down, right. then, OK, we can talk about, Borderline playoffs we can talk about you know losing losing games at home to an inferior opponent But right now I, I just don't see any excuse. So well
0: that is, that is a huge point because I don't think their depth is necessarily Good enough to see them through if they do have a serious injury to, to Carly's heel And you know, even though Carly's heel was out for a while last year I think the revolution did get relatively lucky with injuries. They didn't have too many serious injuries last season uh, Overall, they, they were relatively healthy
1: and, and and you know the other thing too which really bothers me is the revs did not do anything in the summer transfer window last year. If they're selling Matt Turner and they're getting an additional million dollars in gam, I mean, when Bruce gets resources, he spends them. And I know there was a signing last year that fell through in the summer window and we never figured out who that was or what, what position was going to be improved. But, you know, let's hypothetically say Brad Knighton is the guy and he plays good, not great. You know, he's a plus player. Um, you know the Revs now suddenly have assets that they can go trade with, and they can go get another central midfielder or another player to to improve their starting lineup, or you know get a backup at a at a valuable position or something like that. I mean they're going to improve this team in the summer. I I, I said that last year. I, I, I you know I really shouldn't say things like that because I said that last year and they didn't. But I, let me say I, I I'll be surprised if uh, they they don't make additions this summer just because when Bruce gets assets he spends them. Do you have anything to add, Sean? Before move on, no,
0: I, I just, you know, it's a frustrating point. I don't want to spend too much time on, but yeah, they they should have done something last summer to improve the team because when they did get to the playoffs, and you look to their bench to switch things up when things weren't going great, you know, there weren't necessarily the the right options. Um it's particularly to fit the formation the revolution we're playing. So I, I think, you know, they shouldn't make the same mistake next year if they find themselves in a situation where they're playing really well, um, but could tweak one or two spots or could add their depth uh one or two spots to take make the team even better. Um, they gotta make sure they take that next year because I do think that hurt them in the playoffs.
1: And I don't know if we talked about this on the last podcast or if this was news in the last podcast, but apparently the revs were in on Kellen Acosta too, uh, who was traded to was it LAFC or the Galaxy? I forget.
0: Um, yeah, I I I'm blanking too. I'm I, it was uh LAFC, so that'll be a, a, he'll be a good addition to them.
1: I knew it was one of the LAs, but I think it was 1.1 1. 1 million guaranteed, up to 1.5. So it was cheaper than legit. but it's almost a shame that this Turner news is breaking now, uh, because maybe in some uh, apparently the Revs were in on Acosta, uh, you know Colorado and Arsenal both Cronky teams. Maybe you could have worked out some sort of backroom deal where uh, you use the <laughs> allocation money you received for Turner and and got uh, Acosta at a discount, but. Alas, uh, the revs end up with just legit. But as I say, I, I this team is very strong and should be top three team in the East, potentially top one. And I think it's going to get better as the year goes on. I don't think it's its final form, um, but we'll see. But uh, Rally Revs fan does have another question here: Who will be the biggest breakout this year, a la DeJuan Jones last year? Uh, Sean, who do you think is going to be the biggest breakout for the revs this year?
0: You know, I don't. I don't think anyone's going to be quite as big of a breakout as Dewan Jones, who you know made himself the best left back in MLS. Um, I don't I don't expect anyone to to do that. So I think when you're trying to figure out who's going to be the best bracket, you kind of got to look at somebody that, you know, underperformed last year, right? A guy like Wilfred Captoum or a guy like Arnold Tristesen, um, or a guy like Christian Mofla who who may be gone. Um, you know, you know what you have expectations for Sebastian Legette, Carles Hill, Gustavo Bo, Adam Buxa. I don't think they can be your breakout guys. You know, I think Henry Kessler is going to have a better season than he did last year. I think he's going to, you know, the national team experience he has is going to help him and he's going to be a more confident player. Um, But I wouldn't feel right calling him the breakout player because we already know he's a really good guy, Um, really good player for the Revs. you know. Brandon by has some room to grow. I I don't know that I'd pick him as the breakout player. I think I got to go with either Captoom or Tristison, neither of whom I actually think is going to be the breakout player. Um, but, you know, I have to look at somebody like that. So, you know, maybe I'll say, you know, Tristison's going to have a better year this year and be the breakout player. I guess at the same time, I could say, you know, Brad Knighton, if he's playing every day, could be the breakout player. But I'm, I'm going to go with Tristesen with a very low confidence level, um, but also a very high confidence level of saying that nobody is going to, you know, make the leap that Dewan Jones made to becoming like the best player at their position in the league this year.
1: Yeah, uh, the two names that hopped out to me was Kaptoom and And I think Tristesen disappointed last year. I could see him kind of, fulfilling the expectations we originally had for him um but also Captoom had some moments last year he kind of had some flashes where he had some good dribbles um or some good ball possession and i don't know i i could certainly see if Captoom comes in healthy i could see him competing for that starting spot um but again i i'm kind of with you where i err on the side of caution and i'm not too optimistic the only other name that i'll say that i think really could have a breakout season is brandon by um and he's got that right back slot kind of you know, locked down. I don't think anyone's really challenging him for that right back spot right now. And I think he's kind of been, you know, shown flashes a lot of times, but also at times has really frustrated people, especially with his crossing, with his offensive ability. Um, if the Revs kind of go with this diamond formation, really rely on the wing backs. Um, I could see a situation where Brandon Bay is able to get up a little bit more, kind of score with his head a little bit more. Maybe, you know, I could see him getting some more assists with his crossing if that kind of uh, uh, comes up and, and meets his potential. Because there have been times he's floated in some really, really nice crosses. Um, he's just not consistent with it. So um, I could see Brandon Bay really turning in a great, great season. But My,
0: my, my dark horse is, is Ryan Spalding if DeWan Jones does get sold, which I, I don't think is going to happen. But that's my that's my dark horse pick. if. If uh, DeJuan Jones was to get sold, of course or Jacob Johnson,
1: Jackson, Jacobson, if he signs the his first team contract, he still has not been signed to an MLS contract. Um, I do expect him to sign a contract now that Matt Turner is leaving, and I think the Revs' worst case scenario they just carry four four goalkeepers um, if they want to uh, go and get another one. But I do expect them to sign him to an MLS contract now, uh, uh, just kind of coming full circle. But um, I, I don't think he's starting. Uh, but if he does, you never know. You, know, you never, you never know. Maybe he's uh, the next diamond in the rough. Uh, you talked about Ryan Spaulding. Um, Christian Mofla is right now the backup left back, but not expected to be for long. He did not travel to California with the team. He is in New England, shoveling snow like the rest of us. And the reason why is because apparently there are some reports coming out of Colombia that he is tied to Deportivo Cali. Apparently it is a loan. Um, I did not find confirmation on that. I think that is a rumor. I don't know if it's a report or a rumor. But yeah, Christian Mofla might be going down to Colombia. Sean, what are your thoughts on the Christian Mofla to Colombia rumor?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've talked about him before as a potential buyout candidate for the revolution. Um, You know, I I don't think I think he's a guy that they never should have signed. I, I think it's, you know, a revolution historical practice of signing guys that have lengthy knee injury histories. And, you know, he has that list. Um, you know, Dewan Jones is clearly the best left back on this roster. Um, you know, debatably the best left back in the league. So, you know, the most the most Moffa is going to be doing is getting spot starts or rotational minutes for Dewan Jones, and to have an international player that's making a, what is it close to four hundred thousand dollars as a backup left back just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, the Revolution need to move on from Moffa, and if they have the opportunity to transfer him. Um, even if it's for nothing, I think they should do that and and take it. Uh, and I think Ryan Spaulding is just waiting in the wings. Of course, he he made his revolution first team preseason debut uh, yesterday and gave a penalty kick. Um, but other than that, you know, we didn't get to watch the game and see how he did. but he, he's very promising, looks very good for Revs too, and you know should be good enough to be Dewan Jones' backup on this roster for a lot less money and not taking up an international spot
1: and not taking up a senior roster spot, he could fit onto the supplemental roster spot, too, which is also very helpful. Um, and I believe Ryan Spalding was on the team of the year for USL League One. So um, he's at the age where I think if you're going to promote him, uh, it's time to do it. Uh, I, I certainly think it would save them an international spot and some uh, space. So uh, I think that is a really win-win-win for everyone involved. I think uh, it works for the Revs; They free up a uh, some, some very valuable roster space. And I think Mofalo starts to play again because I think he is too good to make some cameo appearances here and there uh, and, and not really get to play. One other rumor here, Marcos Diaz, a Brazilian striker, 20 years old uh, from Brazil. I forget which team he plays U20s for, uh, but he is tied to the Revs. Apparently the Revs are interested in a loan for 2022 with an obligation of buying 50% of his rights if he reaches a certain percentage, uh, or sorry, a certain number of goals. Uh, It is unclear if he is part of the U22 initiative or if he is Revs 2. Based on kind of the structure of the loan or what's rumored, by the way, that is reported by a friend of the program, Gustavo Lopez. Great scoop, Gustavo. Uh, But based on kind of that wording about how it's a loan and it's based on how many goals he scores, I assume it is tied to the first team and potentially the first ever U22 player for the revolution, although that has not been confirmed. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on this rumor of Marcos Diaz coming to the revolution?
0: Yeah, you know, I'd be lying if I said I'd, I'd seen much beyond highlight tapes of him. Um, but I do think it's something that we've talked about before that the revolution need to make use of the U22 initiative. Um, so if, you know, he has the talent to be signed to the u-22 initiative and that makes sense for the revolution i think it's exciting um that they're doing that i you know again i don't think bruce arena has the best history of you know bringing along young players and uh giving them minutes so I, i'd like to see more of that and you know building for the future signing a guy to the u-22 initiative i think is is a great move um and the fact that the revolution are down in brazil scouting these guys and um you know giving them opportunities to to come up here signing a 20 year old striker from brazil is kind of exactly what I would like to see the Revolution do to, to position themselves better for the long term, um, you know, because we, we can talk about the Revs striker depth right now. Uh, you know, it's not it's not great. So if they can find somebody, a young guy in Brazil that can, you know, give them some minutes off the bench now and potentially be the, you know, Adam Buxa replacement long term, um, or the Gustavo Bow replacement when Gustavo Bow, you know, potentially retires or leaves in two years, um, I think that would be a, a win win for the Revolution.
1: Yeah, can we talk about the depth of the striker position? Because I I will say we've been kind of optimistic about the revs and their chances here but i i and i i wanted to very specifically say assuming there is no injuries because i think if buks orbo goes down they, they, you can probably expect a little bit of regression i don't know if they're both going to be involved in the golden boot race but if one of them goes down i really don't know who is taking over those minutes till bunbury has been traded to nashville not a huge edward kizza fan maybe he makes Some progress this year i okay justin renix is there okay uh it seems like backup striker is a very very big need and and usually you need a third striker just to take up minutes and kind of get a spot start here and there if poland calls up books up for some reason um if Bo is out for some reason um you really need kind of a reliable third striker and we were really spoiled with teal bunbury there now they don't really have that um to me that strikes me as the biggest need do you agree I mean, completely. If you, if you lose either of those two guys,
0: your your backup strikers have a combined zero uh, MLS goals. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how you can be excited about that. Rennick's got one minute with the first team last year. So I don't think Bruce Arena has a lot of faith in him. He had 29 minutes this year before that. Um, you know, I, it's hard to imagine he'd be ready to step up and, you know, Edward Kizza, Bruce Arena obviously had faith in him to, to draft an international player in the first round that's taken up an international spot and bring him back this year. I, I, but at the same time, I think we were questioning whether or not he would be back this year. So, um, yeah, I think that's absolutely a spot the Revolution needs to improve upon, um, especially if there's any question whether or not Books is going to be around. But, you know, like you said, you know, these guys can get injured. Gustavo Bo is, you know, on the wrong side of 30. What is he, 30, 32 this season? Going to be 33? No, he's going to be 32 in February. So, you know, they're probably not going to be able to play every game this year. And your options off the bench are not great. I don't think Teal Bunbury. Um, had a particularly good season last year. and I don't think I would have been all that confident if he was the backup this year, but I would have been a lot more confident than I am uh, with the two options they have. So that is, that is hundred percent an area of need for the revolution. And, and maybe, maybe Marcos Diaz, if he comes is is the answer there um, and can provide some, some minutes off the bench, it would be awesome to have a you know 20 year old guy that has a lot of promise that, um, you know, can provide some minutes off the bench and be a per- player of the future. Because uh, I, I I have trouble seeing Justin Rennicks as the revolution striker of the future right now. I think when the revolution signed him and he came off the U-20 World Cup, there were some hopes of that. But uh, the lack of any minute, real minutes under Bruce Arena uh, does not give me any hope that, you know, all of a sudden that his minutes have been declining every year, they're going to start picking up and he's going to start playing
1: better. Well, I, I believe he kind of played sort of as a winger almost uh, with refs too. And now they don't need wingers. Now they're playing in diamond Two. So um, it seems like he's kind of moved around a little bit. And I don't know. It just hasn't really clicked. If they don't sign Diaz, I would hope Renex is playing a little bit. And they give him some minutes here and there. Because we need to figure out what we have with him. His time is kind of running out. I believe this is his third or fourth year in the revolution system um, but kind of same with Keza too. I mean, I, I you kind of have to figure out what you have there, but, um, not a lot of trust after a big, big drop off with, uh, books and bow, um, at the striker position. And I think Diaz fits the bill. If he is a U22 signing, I, I can't say that I have scouted him immensely or how great he is. Uh, but if he is worthy of a U22, uh, tag, it seems like this really fits the bill of where the Revs kind of need a U22 player on the roster. So, um, we got some last minute questions here, Sean, right in before the buzzer here. Uh, green, blue, teal forever us over under 9,000 attendance for the Champions League away leg on February 15th. Uh, and he as by the way, he is assuming he is assuming a 6 p.m. start time. Uh, so a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot of those people will be coming from work on a uh, probably very cold Tuesday. Uh, what's your prediction for the attendance for uh, the first leg of the Champions League game?
0: I'm going to take under on 9000. I think it's going to be a, a miserable day out. And the fact that it's six o'clock on a weekday, um, well, that'll make the temperature slightly better, uh, makes it very difficult for anyone you know coming from the city from work to get to. I'm going to I'm going to take the under on on 9000. I'd love to see a good crowd there, but I, I just don't expect it
1: over under uh, 0.5 references on 98.5 uh, about the Champions League outside of the weekly Bruce Arena interview.
0: Oh, under easily. No
1: <laughs> question. <laughs> Tetra and Rich not going to be covering it. That's really this We got one more question, too. Two right in before we buzzer here, uh, Sean. Uh, Ava asks us, uh, what kind of performance should we expect from the Revs in the Champions League games? Uh, we kind of covered that, but we'll go, I think she means beyond the first round. Uh, do we have a chance for better or worse? And what do we know about the teams we're up against? Uh, we talked about Cavalier uh, a little bit a few episodes ago. And I kind of talked about, I went through their roster. I believe they have a few players that are... In the Haiti national team pool, uh, but also as a comp, Zach Haribo is in there, Um, and so I I believe Cavalier is probably going to play similarly to a maybe USL League One or championship team, Uh, so the Revs should really kind of, as I alluded to earlier, they really should walk over them, uh, especially with two home legs uh, Cavalier will be making the travel. And so you, you certainly hope the Rebs kind of take care of business. Uh, I, I, really don't expect this to be much of a fight. And the other thing too, is a lot of their season was canceled last year, so they're probably not in great form, but beyond that you have, uh, Saprissa and Pumas. Uh, I, 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 expect Pumas to beat the Revs in the second round. Uh, Sean, any thoughts here?
0: I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the revolution absolutely needs to get past the first round. Um, you know, there's no, there's no question about it. It'd be a huge embarrassment. Um, maybe even more embarrassing than when they lost to Joe Public, you know, 12 years ago, which was, you know, among the most embarrassing moments in, in revolution history. So I, I see the revolution winning that relatively easily. And if they don't, it's concerning. Um, but then, you know, I think it's probably going to be Pumas in the second round. You know, the Costa Rican teams haven't been as scary um in the Champions League as they have been in the past. I think Philadelphia beat the priest to something like five five nothing over two legs last year. Um, you know, historically Costa Rican teams were doing better than MLS teams. You know the revolution uh, faced alohalense the first couple times they were in Champions League and and, and you know lost twice to them um, But I think I, I my ex- expectation is that Pumas beats Prisa and then the revolution play Pumas and that'll be a very 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 difficult game for the revolution anytime you're playing a Mexican team in the Champions League. It's very difficult Pumas didn't have the best year best year last year. I think they were you know a mid table Mexican team, but um, You know if they can beat Pumas, that would be huge um and then, you know, likely in the semifinal, they'd face another Mexican team, either Santos Laguna or Cruz Azul, unless, you know, CF Montreal, who I still want to call the Montreal Impact, um, you know, were an upset. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think winning the first round is a must for the revolution and then anything after that is kind of a bonus. Um, but they ended up on the 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 tough end of the bracket um after the first round because three of the four Mexican teams are on the revolution side of the bracket, where I think, you know, Seattle, Colorado, New York City FC. Um, ending up in the side of the bracket where just Leon is there was probably more favorable, uh, past the first round.
1: Yeah. Sean, you know, you, you kind of went through three of the four teams there in the bottom part of the bracket. You you mentioned Montreal and the, the two Mexican teams, really no respect for forge FC, uh, coming out of that side of the bracket. I don't know. It's those Canadian premier league teams, man. You might regret that one, but uh, ho- hopefully, when they emerge victorious in the Champions League, I'm sure Cursed Revs will be all over that for you disrespecting Forge FC. But uh, you are correct; the Revs potentially have to go through three Mexican teams to win Champions League. I really don't expect them to go too far. Uh, so enjoy Cavalier while you can, because it certainly will uh, go up a little bit. In uh, they're going to go up a few levels in competition uh, beyond the first round. And you know, there's always uh, how much do the the Revs care about this competition? Type of aspect to it, Um, you know. I'm I'm not totally sure, you know, if if this is going to be the primary focus of the Revs, uh, especially knowing that they have some long odds. So I am not putting any money down on the Revs winning Champions League.
0: You know, I I do gotta say, since you mentioned Forge FC, they play their home games at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. So uh, they'll be they'll be making Cruz Azul uh, play on that terrible, (laughs) terrible cold uh, field that the U.S. played on today. So that'll be that'll be kind of a fun series to watch with. Um Cruz Azul having to play up in Hamilton on that you know tough turf and the freezing cold and then Forge FC having to go play at the historic uh, Estadio Azteca in Mexico City um, quite the quite the contrast in atmospheres and fields and temperatures and just about everything between that series. Well uh, now
1: now I hope we don't play there. Matt Turner plays poorly in Hamilton. Tim Horton's field <laughs> can <laughs> what's uh can you do it on a cold rainy day in stoke so it was can can you do it on a cold uh freezing cold day at tim hortons field uh i, I think that is the concacaf version of that you know
0: it would be it'd be a much better situation if the revolution were playing at dunkin donut stadium in boston and their new soccer specific stadium going up against uh tim hortons field that, that would just be a fantastic uh fantastic series if we could get that ha- to happen in a few years
1: <laughs> let's wrap up here we're, we're 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 getting silly this is too silly for me uh, news and notes. Uh, some old friends found new teams. Bobby Shuttleworth has signed with Atlanta United. Jalil Anibaba has signed with the Columbus crew, which is unfortunate that we have to like someone on the Columbus crew. But here we are. You mentioned earlier that Adam Buxa to Pisa. It seems dead. Pisa has signed a new striker. So it seems like whatever rumors were there is kind of gone away for the time being. It also seems like the Revs probably have no interest in selling Adam Buxa as for reasons we've already talked about, about how there'd be a major drop off and the Revs would be kind of screwed there. Uh, Clint Dempsey, Soccer Hall of Fame, former Revolution player. Awesome. And the Revs reportedly interested in a central midfielder from Standard Liege out of the Belgian League, Samuel Bastien. Uh, I believe he has two years left in his contract. Transfer market has his market value around $3 million, which seems very high. That seems DP level almost. So I'm not sure if that one passes the sniff test. That might be just a player the Revs are scouting potentially for the future, uh, but there would have to be a transfer fee attached somehow. This isn't a free transfer, so... I'm not going to put a lot of stock into that one, but that is a rumor going around. Uh, and also, I think we have to acknowledge the retirement of a certain Hall of Fame quarterback who has given us a lot of memories over the years. So just wanted to say happy retirement, Ben Roethlisberger. Sean, uh, any thoughts before we leave here today?
0: No, I mean, I just can't believe we're two weeks out from the Revolution's season opener. Uh, here's the hoping that the weather is a bit nicer than it has been this past weekend when the, when the Revolution are playing at Gillette Stadium. Yes. Yes. You
1: (laughs) hopefully we get uh, some better weather. Could you imagine like a two foot snowstorm uh, with the revs? I mean, boy, over under nine fans for that.
0: I, I honest I feel bad for for Cavalli that they're going to have to come up here and play in New England weather and you know they don't get to play a home game and <laughs> instead they get two games in freezing cold Foxborough on the turf because their stadium isn't good enough for the Concacaf Champions League that that is a, a huge bummer for them and I I do feel bad for them and hope that they're going to you know at least get a, a good sum of money um, you know off the gates or something for that because I, I'm sure the the situation in Haiti is not great and the fact that they have to play two games up here in the freezing cold is, is unfair for them.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap and be sure to follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Oh, Sean, where can people follow you on social media?
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Sean L. Donahue.
1: And also be sure to follow our partners, The Bent Musket, on Twitter at the Bent Musket, and follow their work online at www.TheBentMusket.com for great year-round coverage of The Revolution, one of the only uh, online publications that follows The Revs year-round just like us. And be sure to check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, at GalassoKits.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram as well. And be sure to use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order of all that Arsenal gear that you are going to buy. And also, please make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or wherever you are listening. Please rate and review us five stars. You can now rate and review on Spotify. So, Spotify listeners, please make sure you uh, take the time, kind of scroll around, try to figure out where exactly to review and give us a five-star review so we can get some over there. Uh, It helps people looking for Revolution content find it. Uh, And, yeah, we will be back when more stuff happens. I imagine we'll get one more podcast in before uh, the Cavalli games. I assume there will be some more news between now and then, Uh, but you never know. One would hope. One would hope. hope. Maybe that Marcos Diaz signing does come through. But either way, uh, we will be back soon. Until then, thank you, everyone, for listening, and go Revs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel.